What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Tier 1 Podcast. A uh, bit of housekeeping first, you can now get the show on Spotify and there's an Instagram page so go follow both of those. Uh, today on the show I'm joined by two people actually, first time I've interviewed two people and it was really fun. Um, it's two people I've had on the show before, it's the co-founders of Gracie Barra Harrogate and it seems like just such in the, I guess, you know, relatively short time they've known each other, they've become best of friends really and I think that speaks a lot to jiu-jitsu and the kind of uh, bonds it makes between people which I find uh, really interesting. So here's the show, I hope you enjoy it, let me know what you think. Okay guys, welcome to back to the podcast. Um, thank you very much for coming on again. No problem. This is a, a cool one for me because it's the first time I've done it with two people and then it's also two people I've um, <laughs> recorded before. So um, it's uh, it'll be a cool one because yeah. I've already interviewed you both so I don't really need to feel like I need to be like, ah, oh, Jeff, what's it like when you try to <laughs> become the best boat racer in Florida or whatever it was? We can, <laughs> yeah. I got plenty of those <laughs> stories. Yeah. We can talk um, about that again. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll kind of go into a trance. Yeah, did you both listen? I know, Lewis, you've left, listened to Jeff's. Jeff, did you listen to Lewis's one? Now? I have not listened. Okay. I actually haven't listened to uh, e- any of them <laughs> because I'm kind of like nervous. Jeff's I like, too cool for school. No, I, I, I don't like to hear myself talk. And uh, then I just haven't had time to listen to Lewis's, what he's talking about. I know he's okay. talking some smack. <laughs> no, but bro, all respect, all respect. <laughs> it was... Uh, Lewis, you wanted to clear up something that Yeah, shared. well, you know, no, uh, I don't need to clear anything up. My ego's right where it needs to be, it's in check. But, Do we have uh, to tell them what, what, what that's in reference to? Yeah, so, um, on the, uh, in the origin story of uh, Gracie Bar Harrogate, when, it, when it's made into a film in a few years' time, you know, um, the opening scene might be where Jeff, in like an old western style kind of, yep. is... Uh, <laughs> Took the back. <bat>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and bow and arrow choke. I still still remember. I didn't even know it happened for over a year after until it popped up in that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. good. The things you're learning. Um, So I guess I'd like to kind of find out a bit about what your guys' kind of relationship has has it's grown since that potential bone arrow joke whether it happened yeah. or not I think I think you touched on it really well actually too in the, in the last podcast feel free to clip that off if um, you need to go okay yeah. well you're going Jack we'll turn this thing off alright um, that's quite funny because um, we mentioned it about the story of um, how I, w- I was at the time looking for a place to train Jiu Jitsu in Harrogate and um, Tom Garrett actually you've recently done a podcast with he he posted on about a, a brown belt taking the classes and um, I was thinking you know uh, go down and check this out and from the moment that uh, we, we sort of went in there I think Jeff and I hit it off got on pretty well yeah both kind of um, looking for the same thing really sort of some good quality training on our doorstep and it was sort of similar mindsets the learning mindset didn't really weren't wanting to smash each other might be why you know he caught that um, <laughs> false bow and arrow joke but uh, no in all seriousness um, I'd say that you know he's developed into one of my best friends and hopefully it'll be a lifelong friendship when he goes back to the States and uh, he's going to be sorely missed mm. yeah 
is that something that's kind of looming on the horizon now for you, Jeff? Because I guess when we spoke about it last, I mean, for people that heard the podcast that we did, they've only come out in the last few months, but it was yeah. it's been like it was like last summer we did them both. So it's been a long time since we kind of just had a sat down and, and chat. That's, that's true. Kind of looming on the horizon now, isn't it? Starting it's, to get closer. Yeah. Uh, time uh, I'll be leaving in here in August, heading back, and um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, you guys grew up in England, so it's tough for like I've always found living here that the winter, like December through January, February, I mean it's just rough for me. It gets so dark. So I would say the last couple of months I've been, oh man, this is dragging on. Once the weather starts to change, the daylight starts to come, I start to really enjoy it, and that's when uh, I start to switch from like, oh man, I'm gonna be leaving. Right, mm-hmm. so I want to suck as much uh, time up as I can and enjoy it while I can, and um, hopefully leave the you know leave. It'll be it'll be good. I'll be sad to leave, but um, it's kind of like I'll feel uh, I feel very com- uh, comfortable with you know kind of like mission accomplished. Right, I mean when we came over here, I didn't have an agenda to to like oh I'm going to start a school. I just needed a place to train. Yeah. And when I found there were no places to train, I thought, well, okay, I'll have to create something, right? And that's the evolution of talking to the guys down at Big Cat. And then Lewis came in. And so my goal was never to, like, I'm starting an academy. It was like, let's get as many people here that want to train jiu-jitsu. And the talent, like, there weren't – I mean, Lewis was the only brown belt around. I don't think there was anyone – in Harrogate that had any kind of rank other than that. So it was like, definitely, I was like, I don't want you to go train somewhere else. Come over here and train. So that worked out well. And and we moved, I think I talked about it before, we moved through, like we were just doing this thing. It was like a club type deal. And initially I just, I, I and I think Lewis too, I just was like, hey, I want I want people to come train here. Forget, forget a lot of the politics, just come train. And I still feel like I still feel like that. I don't like I don't like jujitsu politics. But uh, there came a point in time where uh, you need to. Everybody couldn't just be training under us yeah. as a club. You need to have some kind of lineage. You need to have some affiliation. Um, and that's where since I was going to be leaving, and he's here. This is his hometown. It made sense for like us to kind of partner or him to develop a Gracie Baja school. Yeah. So that that was cool because. Originally, the intention was that uh, we were going to wait, and then when when Jeff went home, we would would affiliate with with Gracie Baja then. Um, but Jeff kind of selflessly sort of said, "Well, look, you know, we we can pull it forward and try and develop things so that when he leaves, it's not like starting again. It's not like everybody's confused about you know who they're under or where it's from. It's not something that's newly imposed." And I think when we first started for probably a year, maybe 18 months. We were just, like Jeff said, we were running it as a club. And there comes a point, you know, we had maybe 10, 12 guys max. Like a good day was like a bad day now. You know, like a good class then. Whereas if we had 10 on the mat, we were buzzing. We were like, wow. And, uh, but there came a point where I think we both realized to push, we needed uh, some commitment from us. And that's where a club goes from being a club to like an academy and becoming a bit more professionally run because all of a sudden then you you know we were just kind of rocking up and oh what we're going to teach tonight and it was more about no and you know not that we didn't care about the guys that were training there but i think at the time it was maybe more about 
we'll just get into a train somewhere on our doorstep. Mm. And then when we flipped it and it became like, no, we're going to properly teach jiu-jitsu. And the fact that we went Gracie Baja didn't deflect from both of us having the same vision of how we wanted to teach, how we wanted to structure and what we thought was important that we both shared. So I think the badge on the door um, is just is just that. It's the badge on the door, but the culture in the gym is what hopefully that uh, we've built and, ev- and everybody else that trains there has contributed to. So. Yeah, it's been good so far. I mean, uh, you know, the, the more that we've developed it and got to walk through this, it's been, you know, kind of eye-opening to me, like, and there was a there was a guy that I talked to one time in my academy, and he asked me, he's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, we're, you know, just kind of running this club." And and this kind of brought on the point. He said to me, he said, "Well, what are your guys going to do when you leave?" Like he's like, "Well, what's what's their affiliation?" And it made me realize, like you you know, uh, to serve other people, I can't just you know go up, start up an academy you know, train with some guys for a couple of years, give them some rank and then say, okay guys, I'm gone, right? You, you need to leave something behind. And if Lewis wasn't here, I would have tried to put it in a structure to leave something behind, but he was here. And so it's just easy. It's just like, okay, that, let's get that structure in place. So, I mean, I think all you guys, you know, they, all the lineages really go back to the, the Gracie's. So whether it's Pedro Sauer, whether it's Gracie Baja, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the other schools that go back to them. So I think it's important to, you know, it'll be, it's cool when you can, uh, you know, track out your lineage and say like, you know, however it goes. Uh, it, Monsieur Maida. Yeah, starts with the masters and mine's, mine's like Pedro. Uh, mine, I'll go back to Pedro, to Hickson, to Helio. And you can track back who it is where, versus like some guys that, uh, you know, you may not have that kind of lineage so so you think you could think you do you both kind of agree that your lineage, lineage is quite important for a, um i think it depends um your view on martial arts or how you view jiu-jitsu and what it is to you to me it's important i think the relationship you have with your instructor is really really important uh, and for me to give a belt to somebody that relationship would have to be there um but then you know you take solely maybe sport gyms or uh, for example i don't think maybe maybe in some instances doesn't apply as much maybe they're not as concerned with that i think it's maybe down to the individual yeah the, i mean there's a the, like the jiu-jitsu academy thing like if you if you kind of like like that model which i do and you like the academy then that then doing having you know lineage and is a little it's, i mean it doesn't make your jiu-jitsu any better right you have to train but I like that. Um, there's definitely a, a sport aspect. I mean, you could look at the sport aspect of jujitsu and compare it to like wrestling. I mean, in you know, collegiate wrestling or you know international wrestling, that's not about. Mm. There's not so much lineage there. It's just about how good of a competitor you are, and I get that. I mean, I think it's just kind of what you think you want to do with as an instructor. That's kind of the path I want to go, right? So, do you think? Do you think your lineage gives gives you authenticity, or does it, or does that come from you and how good you are as a a coach and how mm. much you give back, or how so, hard you train for yourself? So lineage, like that, that kind of lineage, might like get people in the door, sort of like a little marketing thing. But yeah, it's up to the instructor. It's on. It is on you 
Yeah. I think once once you're the instructor, like you just just because you got a black belt under a certain guy or you train from a different you know group, if you can't if you're not skilled in teaching or skilled in jujitsu, then it's gonna people are gonna know and they won't they'll move on. I think. Yeah, I I think as well uh, depends. There's a quite a large knowledge base of students that come through the door that you know we assume from. A lot of our stories and stories of everybody knows who the Graces are. They know from UFC one. I think jujitsu now generally is just becoming more popular. So I think there's people come through the door who they don't have a clue what your lineage is. It's not important to them, but I think part of um, being part of that and educating the students around it that becomes important because then they feel connected to kind of a legacy of some sort. And if that's important to you, some you know, some people it's important to, some people it's not. But we have it at our academy, and I'm I'm glad we do. Yeah. So I don't um, think it keeps people right. We've talked no. about we've talked about this. Like, uh, people don't stay with somebody, some yeah. place because it's a, a specific school. They stay yeah. with the they stay with the person, right? So if if I was a horrible person, which I don't know, Lewis might think I am already. <laughs> but if I was a horrible person, I, I mean, I would th- I wouldn't think people would would want to come train. They might come, they might try it out. They'd be like, that guy, I don't like him. He's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, and they'd move on. And they should, and in my opinion, you should. You should never, yeah. you should never train uh, in an academy where the instructor doesn't treat you, treat you with respect and, and uh, is it out there looking to, to yeah. better you, right? To help you. Well, we, we've talked before about how it doesn't matter what badge is on the door. It's about the culture in the gym. And it doesn't matter whether you're a part of Grace Baja, uh, Pedro Sawyer, Atos Jiu Jitsu, wherever. If you if you feel like you fit in and you're made to feel welcome, um, you'll be you'll be happy there. Um, you know, some schools aren't for everybody, but uh, it's it's generally what, like Jeff just said, the instructors, the people there that make people stay. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think if we, ch- you know, not that we're going to, but if we changed affiliation tomorrow. All the students won't be like, Phew, you're not Gracie Bar anymore. They might be a bit annoyed they bought a gi. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, they wouldn't be, you know, they were like, oh, we're leaving, you know, because yeah. their connection to jiu-jitsu is through, through us and through UT and, and all the people around. It's cool to see now that, like, the study hall class last night, you were there. Yeah. Um, you see a Friday night and you see the energy in the room yeah. and we're not teaching anything. People are there to see. They're not there for us. It becomes less about us. It's more about just people coming down and training. Yeah, and they come to see their friends, and and that's the kind of environment you want. That's a big point. I think um, you know, like uh, you know, you, you guys joke about me and Jim kind of having such like this real close friendship. And were so, you holding hands yeah. last night? <laughs> I'm doing a little dance to the music. Yeah, slow dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's a weird thing where that kind of intensity of kind of. Uh, it just builds really close relationships, doesn't it? Yeah, and definitely. There's definitely been nights where um, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I can really bother going tonight, but there now they're like, Jim and Mike are already waiting for me in the car park just yeah. to get to go. You know, that's, yeah. I was thinking about this this week. I was telling somebody, and uh, every day this week I've set my alarm to go to the gym, right? Um, and the only day I went was when I had a PT because somebody was relying on me to be there. And the only other thing that gets me out of bed on a morning at 6 a.m. to go and train is jiu-jitsu because you know that your training partners are relying on you. Yeah, yeah. If I set myself a goal like I'm going to get up and go for a run and there's just me that I'm letting down, I, 
I don't have the willpower to get out of bed and right. do it. So yeah, exactly like you say. If you tri- if uh, Jim or Mike or anyone, you know, come on, come training. You feel like almost you owe it to them to be there, as much as maybe you don't want to go yourself. So that's cool. But uh, the kids' class was cool today, wasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, that's good. You know, I, I think uh, I was I tell I think I told Chris way back when we were starting the school. I said, "Oh man, this this place is gonna blow up." And he, I don't think he believed me. No, but like uh, I've just seen the flow of uh, jujitsu. I mean, the wave has already swept through like the states. I mean, it's it's pretty huge over there, and I could see it coming. And I thought, there's no jujitsu around. Well, not in Harrogate. There's some close by, but this is like we get this thing going. The momentum is going to grow. Yeah, and it's just fun to watch. The kids' class is getting big. It's fun. And that kind of it blowing up, I imagine you kind of do you attribute that to the kind of culture you guys have cultivated. And yeah, I think so. And was that something like you kind of sat down and like, right, this is what I want the gym to be, or did it kind of just evolve naturally? I think a little of both. Yeah, we've had some chats, and and I think Lewis and I are similar, and so would I didn't have to say like, Lewis, this is what I'm thinking. You know, one, two, three, right? I think we kind of lined up well in the culture and, and there's some you know i think it is important though right uh like i said it, you, you can go into a place and it's just not pleasant or fun to be there and we uh there was um adam marshall one of, one of my friends he's a, he's a black belt in the grace bar as well um and he he once said to me that a coach of his uh, years ago explained to him that every gym has uh, pit bulls and poodles and uh, not to be derogatory by terminology of someone being somebody being called a poodle, but what he was saying was that um, the pit bulls are like five percent. They're the guys that they want to go at it all the time. The people that want to compete every week, all that kind of thing. And then the other ninety percent or ninety-five percent are the people that they're coming into for jujitsu to enhance their life and. Um, build friendships, lose weight, do whatever else. So when, when Jeff and I started, we wanted to make sure that like we didn't run people out the door with certain people that were quite competitive or whether so we had to have um, selected chats with people about dialing things back and just, you know, making sure that when someone comes in, it's a welcoming environment because that person might be run out the door on the first class, but that person one day might want to be one of those five percent that competes and goes at it. If they never get that, you know, if they get a bad introduction, then it it's yeah. over, isn't it? So, um, you know, let people make that choice themselves, but give them the nicest possible start, if you like. Yeah, I so, think uh, a good a good measure of the culture that you create would be to like look at how many and and we aren't even there yet in our own school, but look how many uh, women or girls come train, right? Because it's very, I mean, that's. Uh, very easy for them to come and feel like this is not for me like this is this is definitely difficult right and so they'll they'll move on and if you can if you can get the culture of the gym which is usually teaching the guys right that hey let's focus on technique and right or and are you passing somebody's guard are you doing technique are you using strength if you can get that culture of people working technique then I see like a lot of the women will stay around and they actually improve really quickly and get good and feel comfortable in the gym. 
So Susan going out running. Well, looks like she might be going for a walk. <laughs> cool man. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. I'm proud of what we've done. Did you did you find that there's much of um, a difference in culture between kind of the uh, Pedro Sal affiliation that you kind of grew up in, Jeff, and kind of the values of Gracie Baja? Or? No, I I find that they're all like the same. I mean, people. There's just a difference in in uh, schools. But if you if you look back at like at, at the at the Gracie Baja stuff, like still, I mean, Carlos Christie Jr. It's self defense oriented, right? Now it's fun to do competitions, and that's a good. I mean, you know, you can get out there and compete all you want, and it's and it's great. But like at the core, I think that's you know at the lineage. So. Um, that's the same. I mean, Pedro Sauer is big on self-defense, but we have a lot of guys in the association that do compete too. So yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the um, GB curriculum? Like, is that something that they do in um, Pedro Sauer stuff? Do they have like mm-hmm. a set kind of? Yeah, there's one? a set curriculum. I, I I highly recommend. I think Lewis would too. Uh, if you're training jujitsu somewhere and the instructor doesn't have a curriculum that you. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to tell people to leave their gym, but like you, you probably want to find a, 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 an academy that has a curriculum, right? They follow it, and it just provides good structure. And if you're an instructor, having a curriculum is great because, man, you know, I don't want to a, I don't want to just be coming up to the gym and saying, "What am I going to teach tonight?" Because that means I'm not prepared. So it's nice to have something that I know what I'm teaching. Yeah. I, th- I think that the uh, some people they misinterpret what what. Is meant by curriculum. So, like, we get a lot of guys outside of Gracie Baja, and like, oh, you're doing set techniques every week or whatever. Well, it's not like that. So, the 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 fundamentals curriculum is fairly fairly rigid in structure. It's it's about teaching the the foundation, the self defense, um, and that's for when somebody comes in who's never done any jiu jitsu before. You're teaching them the basic movements before you teach them a bearing bowler. That's just common sense. Um, and then you move into like the advanced curriculum. Now that's more like the curriculum is positional based. So it might say this week you're working, um, you know, leg grab takedowns and you're working from guard top or guard bottom. Mm. But then the there's a bit of fluidity there around what the instructor wants to teach. Yeah, but to at least, you know, you're not just te- you're not just learning guard for six months solid, you know. This yeah. this sort of dictates that right there's a change up every two weeks and you you move on to something else and you cover a different positional area but there is room for scope for the instructor to put their own flair in there it's not like you have to teach exactly what's there right um and that just gives a bit of structure and direction it's not um you know the uh people at the head of gracie baja saying you must teach it exactly like this Uh, i think that is more so with the fundamentals curriculum yeah, I think you should like fundamentals. You should have like that. Hey, uh, <clears throat> here's the here's how I want you to do the move. And it's not like Lewis said. It's not because there's not other ways to do it, but you're trying to teach someone who doesn't know. They don't get jujitsu right. They walk in. They're like, I don't understand guard. What, what am I supposed to do? See, so, so you're very like detailed and regimented in what they do. And then as they get up in rank, you know, they you allow them to play a little more. And I always, it, you know, it tell people, you know, play with this, modify this, right? I'm going to show you, if you're doing good body mechanics, right? Yeah. Then it's going to work out. So that's, if you get that out of the fundamentals, you move into advanced classes and and you like to do a move a little bit differently than how I showed you, but it's still fundamentally sound with body mechanics, then yeah, do it. 
right? I don't, I don't think I should go around, you know, especially because I, I know so many guys that do stuff really well. I'm like, I'm not going to go around and say, nah, that's not how you do that move <laughs> as they're submitting me with it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I try to stay away from that. There's multiple ways to do it. You know, um, something you kind of touched on as well. Um, near the start, it was like kind of really nonchalantly said, all right, there's no one here in this area I can train with. Let's just start my own thing. I'm like, for me, that's, like, that's a massive step. But <clears throat> at the same time, I've also just been recently looking at kind of different jiu-jitsu gyms around Asia. And there's like a good website and it'll tell you like who the head instructor is and what belt they are. There's quite a lot of gyms that are just like, you know, purple belt and blue belt are like their instructors and stuff. Um, I guess I just wanted to know um, when you, because you both got your brown belts and it's like, I mean, both got your black belts kind of was it the same year, was it? You know, mm-hmm. like months Jeff was a little bit before me six six months before yeah all because of that bow and arrow choke bow and arrow (laughs) I think Victor must have seen it and he was like held me me back another six months (laughs) out of the shame (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I emailed that to him (laughs) in the show did you did you feel like um, because you were at the same time as getting your black belts you're also kind of in this process of Gracie Barra Harrogate and then did you feel like you had evolved a lot as coaches? Like, how was that transition between mainly being a, like, Lewis, especially for you, a competitor and someone that's um, mainly training for training purposes to become better? And now you've got yeah. however many students that are looking up to you to, and you guys to. Um, yeah, well, Jeff and I have both, we've talked about this as well, where we, we always say that you get better at teaching the more you do it. Like, mm. when, I, when, we, when I first started, uh, it's funny when we first implemented the curriculum we were like man I don't even like we don't know these moves like we should do and uh, so you know we were meeting up and sort of drilling and stuff it's not we didn't know them you just you kind of like Jeff said as you improve you shortcut moves and you um, you do things on instinct so you don't tend to if you're not showing them to people you're not breaking them down in the most fundamental form each time so I feel like I'm much better instructor now uh, you know, fifteen months on or whatever from when we first started yeah. GB, but still lots to learn. Mine, I I want to keep learning, improving myself so that I've got more to offer for the students. Yeah, I think uh, so. I I think Lewis was probably uh, in a little bit different category. He's still got some good years of competition. Where I I I feel like uh, you know the only competition I might ever consider would be a master's competition, someone my age or whatever. And at this point, because it's just it's just tough. So with that mindset, I thought you know I had to finally make the hard decision of like you know you're not going to be that tough anymore. So I needed to find a new thing, and the new thing was like I want to be a, a good instructor. So I've tried to focus on that. It's tough because you know you always want to get in there and you want to roll, and and I feel like my ability to, to roll with guys is definitely um, I feel like it's diminished a little bit because um, if I'm teaching I'm teaching the move then I'm helping people around so I don't really get to train I, uh, like as much as I want which is okay I guess because I don't know how much my body could take um, so I'm kind of happy to feel that because I don't really feel like you know I could deny age but it's going to you know, you, you can, it doesn't matter if you deny it. You're not going to, you know, beat it in the in the long run. And so I need to kind of move on to like, this is what I want to do. I feel like Lewis is he's got he gets to do both, right? He can work on 
understanding and gaining knowledge in jujitsu and still also work on competition and, and yeah. getting better and I'm, still competing. I'm, I'm kind of in the lucky position that I, ha- that I have Jeff here. Not everybody that sets up their first school has a support ne- network like we have. Um, and kind of grateful that Jeff's been a constant since he's been here that it's allowed me to have nights off to focus on myself. But at the same time, I do feel like as much as I love the gym, sometimes my own thirst for like improving myself, it'd be great to go back to being a student five days a week sometime. So, you know, at the moment I try and plan my schedule. I get to go to another gym at least once a week where someone else leads a class. Um, you know, and I spend a little time now doing my strength conditioning just because I'm co- gonna try and compete a little bit more wh- while I can. Um, but none of that would have been possible or the gym wouldn't have been able to grow like it had if it wasn't uh, for Jeff and the likes of Khalil um, helping coach. And then obviously when Jeff goes, Mike's going to step in. Um, so we're kind of in a re- really good good position that uh, everybody's kind of supporting the gym and it allows me to, whilst trying to give them as much as I can there, I can also still, still compete and represent us at a reasonably high level uh, for competition which I hope that I think people like in the gym I think they, they seem to think it's good that somebody's competing at a little bit of a high level from the school um, and yeah, I think win or lose or Mike, draw <laughs> Mike played it pretty well um, he was saying like he's really kind of Quite proud of you. I don't know if you would want me to tell you this. You know, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, but, get it out there, get it out there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he's really quite proud of you just for um, kind of going out there with so many of, you know, your school like out there to watch, like all the pressure. I think, you know, I don't think any of us really will put, like had meant to put pressure on you by being there. Um, but I'm sure it, you kind of maybe even felt it just a, even if it's just a little bit more that all your students are out there kind of watching you compete as well. Uh, I think you want to put on a good, uh, a good demonstration of what you're capable of um, but at the same time you know there's lessons to be learned in a loss as well if I'd have lost that day um, you know I hadn't have done as well as I had you come back and it's it's how you pick yourself up and move forward I've lost you know all the guys that compete they're going to lose at some point you've got to learn from it and I would kind of I would hope that like we were talking about the culture of the gym that you know if that had happened people wouldn't be you know, walking out the door looking to train somewhere else, you know. Yeah. And, if, and if they are, they're not the kind of people that, um, you know, we kind of want in the gym, really. So, no, I think it's it's cool. I like competing. Yeah. It's not what I'm, it's not everything I'm about. It's not what I want to do for the rest of, uh, you know, the rest of my jiu-jitsu. Like, I think, I feel like when people just solely focus on competition with no kind of vision afterwards, it's like, what happens when they stop? Like, does their, you know, you know we've talked about this, haven't we? Yeah, what are they gonna? What's their next goal, right? Yeah. Do you feel like you get a different kind of um, reward, kind of personally from teaching uh, than you do from competing? Yeah, definitely. Um, because what, when you teach and you see guys do stuff, even like so, we went to the last competition. Everyone did really well. Some people got, um, I think we got some silvers and the bronze at the last at the last comp. Yeah. So you know. We didn't get gold, but actually seeing the guys hitting stuff that you've been teaching them and you've seen them struggle with from when they first started to get better at and then better at, and then they implement it in their life situation and you know that you've helped them develop that, 
um, is massively rewarding. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I yeah, get a lot from that. I quite quite enjoy watching the guys develop, right? Because you you know. Uh, a lot of guys don't under you know, when you're doing it. Sometimes you don't really even you, uh, track your own progression. You're not aware of it. But we get to see the guys. Everybody comes in the door, yeah. and for the most part, if, if they never train, they come in brand new white belt. And I, I can watch in six months, twelve months, year, just how much better people get. And I know it because I roll with most everybody at some point. I try to, and the, and you know you go from just playing to like man now i'm having to work now this is getting tough right yeah and uh and i I always think about that and i'm like well i shouldn't i should be pretty proud that when i go and roll with white belts that i'm frustrated because i couldn't get this technique right well i'm like well that's good uh testimony to our uh, school's teaching in the academy so um love to see that right yeah and you guys find think that you get do you end up getting quite close to the guys you teach like um just like a, a a level beyond just doing techniques and roll with them to like do you find you've kind of a made a quite a good relationship with yeah. like you know like thinking like Pax and lewis and I those think, guys and i think jujitsu uh, is probably very similar i mean to i think oh man, we might have talked about this in the last one similar to like crossfit but even more so to like a lot of the guys that are in the military that like, you know, were special forces units or whatever and spend time because they go through like this, you know, crucible. They go through this hard, intense training and, and they push through it. They persevere and it just brings groups together. So I feel like jujitsu is a is like a system of martial arts, self-defense sport that's out there and it's available to anybody who wants to do it. And it has that same element, right? So it creates this little tribe effect, right? So everybody, you know, you feel pretty bonded to these people because, you know, they get it, right? Walking down the street, you see people that don't train jujitsu and you're like, they don't get it, right? They don't, and I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, I'm so dangerous on the street. It's, they don't get like how many hours you put in the gym and how hard it is to learn how to escape this position. And then when you finally do, you feel a huge satisfaction out of the ability to, to do that. And then that plays into feeling comfortable and confident that you can defend yourself yeah. and things like that. It, so. it, funny, you know, you were saying about not getting it. I had a conversation with my mum recently uh, and she was telling me I needed to slow down and wake up and smell the coffee. I'm doing too much and all this. And I was like, she was, you know, you're always doing that jujitsu. You know, it's going to wear <laughs> yourself out. Um, you know, I remember she said, she said, I remember when I used to go to the gym all the time. I just looked at her, I was like, Yeah, well, that's not the same, is it? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm training. I said, You don't understand, mom. Like, it's like <laughs> I can go to jujitsu and I don't have to roll or wear myself out. I'm just there because I want to be there. I'm not going just for a workout. You know, it's, it, it helps you with my, with my mental health, how you feel, just, you know, on a day to day basis if you're stressed out. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know any kind of physical fitness can do that but um, I do think when you kind of get embedded in that jiu-jitsu lifestyle it, it's, uh, it just kind of takes over it's a, it's a good tool to, to like being present yeah. right like all too often you know you spend all your time thinking about in the future or maybe you dwell in the past like something bad happened and you just kind of are always thinking about yeah. that jiu-jitsu you can't do that, right? You come down to jiu-jitsu and, you, and maybe while the instructor's teaching, you're over there daydreaming, like thinking about what you're going to do in the future or the problems you got or whatever in the past. But when you start sparring, 
you're yeah. fully present, right? All that stuff goes out the door. You're you're done with yeah. that, right? You're you're focusing in on that, and so that's. Re- I, I think that's good. I think that's important. I think people need to need to work on living yeah. in the present. Don't worry about the things in the future. Don't worry about the things in the past. But you know, and this is a great little tool to get you to do that. I think it makes you sort of like with me, as I've got a little bit older, I've become so more so much more content since starting the gym. Um, even in my career, almost like my my foot's been taken off the gas a little bit in the sense of like where I see myself going with my life because when you think about it and you boil down to what you actually enjoy doing and what you need money for, I was saying to uh, Rebecca, my wife, the other day, I was like, doesn't matter how much money I earn, the only thing I would still be doing would be getting up, going train if I could, and come back home and maybe you know hang out with you, walk the dog, and it makes you really realise that you know, material things and stuff like that aren't, aren't that important. You've got something else that you do that um, trumps everything. Yeah. Um, and that's something actually I kind of realized from doing this podcast because one of the questions I'll ask usually at the end is like, what your perfect day is? And when I was thinking about that question beforehand, <clears> I was like, right, people are probably going to say something like, uh, right, they're going to go to the beach, they're going to sit with the Australian swim <laughs> swimwear model team, yeah. you know, they're going to jet off somewhere and drink pina coladas. It's never like that when people answer. It's always really simple, like, uh, they get up, they've had a good night's sleep, <laughs> they have a decent breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking those things in my head. Yeah. I think, they go uh, do that thing they love to do, they spend a bit of time with their family, and then they kind of just chill out in the evening, you know. It's... Yeah. Um, we, uh, I mean, that's not to say, like, like you say, you sh- people should focus on um, their career and things like that. And everybody takes jujitsu to different levels. I mean, for me, the the one thing that I know I need to earn money for is to sponsor all my trips I want to do to do jujitsu. <laughs> that's one thing that I think it, it inspires you to want to kind of travel a little bit and see uh, go places, and, and when you can just kind of dial in and, and jump into another environment somewhere else and see what it's like you know like the guys have organized that uh the summer camp with ben poppleton over in tenerife like we didn't have anything to do with that it's just like oh, should we go and do that it's cool we're planning yeah. a trip next summer um so hopefully when jeff goes back and gets set up we're gonna go and go out there and visit you in greenville good, and then get some good academies and then head over to san diego That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Jeff are going to do the opposite. We're going to go on a country music uh, tour. Ah, nice. <laughs> we're going to hit Nashville. You all have to go. Is that, is, that, uh, is that near you, is it? Nashville? Yeah, Tennessee. Ah, nice. Are you going, over, are you going to head over there? I'll head over, yeah. I've not got any for months. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a job just in, going to be yeah. like a digital nomad just roaming yeah. there. That's cool, man. Basically, in a month, I don't have yeah. a job and I'm free to do anything. Travel. Yeah. I remember that. I, re- I remember when I, uh, so I, I was like 22. And I'd sort of I quit my job, but I'd done like a H and C, so I'd done like a further education thing whilst working on the tools, and uh, and then a couple of guys, Chris Taylor, who came down the other day, yeah. he was doing the thing. So uh, this is when we were all training at Gracie Bar Leeds, and we booked a trip to go to Brazil, and we did Brazil, Argentina, Chile, New Zealand, Australia, and came home. And my plan was to go for like a year, like mm. similar to what you did. And then um, I met Rebecca a month before I left, and I kind of just I don't know, I kind of <laughs> knocked, knocked the wind out of my sails a little bit. She, she, she kind of, um, yeah, it kind of diverted my attention to kind of wanting to just 
be away for so long. But I still, we still, I still went, and I think I did three and a half months in the end, and six, six weeks in Brazil, and, uh, and that was cool. The jiu-jitsu out there was really good. I competed, yeah. nearly died while I was out there. <laughs> so I um, do you want to tell that story? Yeah, no, I got I got dengue fever. <laughs> so I remember when we, when we got there, we stopped at a place called Connection Rio, and we were training at uh, Gordo Jiu-Jitsu. And so he's in Baja de Tijuca and like a really small academy, a similar mat size to what we've got, but they used to have like 40 guys on the mat all the time. Loads of black belts. First time you'd ever wow. been around where there was like Kira Gracie was training on the mat. Um, there was, uh, well, there was Gordo who was famous himself. And then, so there's loads of high level people. And uh, anyway, part of the thing, you'd, you'd wake up, you train on the morning for the first week we used to wake up we trained on the morning at uh, 7 a.m then we like had a bit of something to eat did the uh five o'clock class till six and then the six till seven and then after about four days I realized like my body couldn't take that so we, we dropped down to just like one session a day maybe um but one of the things we did there's a mountain called pedro de gave and uh it's just out it's there's like a trail and part of the team thing was that we, we were going to go to the top so we went up and uh, went up to the top of this mountain and there was lots of like like woodland on the way up and standing water anyway so that's where mosquitoes are isn't mm. it and a couple of days after we'd be done this trail i couldn't even look at a glass of water without having to go to the toilet right it was that bad <laughs> it was coming out of everywhere sickness both ends and um I've always been uh, had a reputation for being savvy with my money, so I didn't want to pay my excess for my private insurance. So uh, we got the bus for I think it was like one hai or whatever it was, and over the mountain. And Chris came with me and went to the local hospital. And I went in, and nobody spoke any English. So I went up to the thing, and I was like, ah, oh. um, and I gestured to the lady behind the, the counter. I says, made a gesture like putting something in my mouth, and then I was like. <laughs> like this, I did this thing where it's like, like made like a spraying action, like both ends. Like ah, right, okay. So anyway, they sat me down, and after about an hour, this English-speaking doctor came and uh, said, "Okay, we're we're going to do some blood tests." So they they took some blood and sucked some off Chris because he wasn't very well as uh, as well. Anyway, sat in the waiting room, calls us in, and the lady said, "All right, um, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Matthews." Um, have you heard of dengue fever? I was like, no, never heard of that. So, okay, there's, there's two types of dengue fever. <laughs> All right, okay, so there's one type where you just get um, like sickness and diarrhea. Chris, you've got that. <laughs> All right. Um, and then there's another type, it's really not good. Like your, uh, your blood gets really thin, everything else. Lewis, you've got that. You've got to come back um, every couple of days for an IV drip. Um, and what have you. So anyway, I was all oh, right, okay. As I got up, the lady went, she goes, um, Mr. Matthews, she says, yeah. she says, if you start to bleed out of your eyes, come back immediately. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And she's like, welcome to Brazil. <laughs> like this. Oh my God. And then, uh, so I went back for the IV drip and everything else. And then um, and then I competed the week after. Oh, so, yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm coming to Brazil and not competing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember Joe as well, the guy that came with us, he was, he was waiting outside the hospital. And he got mugged by like four kids for his can of Guarana. It's like it's like a uh, um, fizzy drink in Brazil. That's funny. That's what happened at the competition? Um, 
so do you know what it's probably uh, I was the leanest I'd ever looked I look back at these photos because uh, I'd nearly like nothing was Lost like, sticking in yeah I like almost like that's one of those on the fridge pictures you know, like, one day I want to look this good again and Rebecca's like you were nearly dying um, but uh, I think I had five matches and I won four and then I lost to the guy that won in the final so um, yeah it was good that's some good really good yeah I got, I got bronze medal um, and it was kind of was my first competition actually at Blue Belt I think it was um, or one of my first reasonable sized competitions and in a different environment it was cool mm. and you, then I, and then yeah. after that the holiday kind of when we left Brazil it just uh, the Jiu Jitsu kind of died off because it was more like travelling around yeah and that kind of killed the trip for me really if I'm honest like I enjoyed seeing everything but we kind of got into this kind of uh, thing where we were just being travellers but not I did. I felt like I didn't have a purpose right yeah, yeah I felt it really hard to kind of slip into a what do you do with your day kind of it doesn't matter what I do with my day I just yeah. and like so like I really struggled with that element mm. and that's why I came home earlier because like that whole get up go down to the beach and drink a box of goon or whatever that they call you know in Australia after two days of that I was like I felt like I was wasting my time yeah um, so yeah that was but yeah that was cool you've both been to quite a lot of different jiu-jitsu gyms though is it always the case that you've been kind of made to feel welcome or have you had any bad experiences <laughs> I, I, yeah I think I've always been welcomed uh, I don't know I think yeah for every place I've gone I was welcomed um, the bad experience I haven't really had like a bad experience so to speak like like felt like I was walking to like a you know a bunch of guys have some ill intent for me I've never felt that I have gone to some tough places though and uh, had some you know I had every guy going for me right and, yeah. and but but not you know there's a line that you know where like everyone in here is trying to really hurt you versus Everyone wants to see if they can beat you. Yeah, so I've never experienced that. Um, trained in some. Yeah, I, I think it depends on how you compose yourself when you go into somebody else's gym as well. You know, if you're going to be the guy that goes in, you want to test yourself against everybody when you go in there. I think instantly the the wall of defense comes up, and right. you know the people are going to be trying to turn it up. I, if I go somewhere, you know, you just go in and chill and just you roll and. Yeah. Bit, bit like that first time I met you, Jeff. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know what I mean. If you go in and you're trying to, you're turning it up a notch. People are always going to match your intensity. Yeah. I've never, I've never been anywhere that um, I've been made to feel unwelcome. Yeah. Um, but I've been places where you can tell they're scoping you out. Like, hmm, what's this guy about? And that, you know, you always get the if the instructor's pairing someone up. I've had it before where they send like. The first off, it's like the best white belt comes over. See how you deal with them, and then like right, yeah. the next one comes across, but in like a nice way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, there's the that's the oldest trick. Yeah, it was funny. It's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, you was, walk into the gym and uh, the instructor, he's not going to throw you. You know, if you're like a blue belt, he's not going to throw you in with like his uh, his brown belt or black belt, right? But he'll say, oh hey, let me pair you up. 
I guarantee you the person he just paired you up with is probably was like the blue yeah. belt that's tapping everybody yeah. in the gym, right? So, but yeah. it's funny because I read a thing, uh, you know, I do my nightly reading of the yeah. Jiu-Jitsu University before I go to bed. <laughs> and uh, uh, Saulo makes a comment in there and he said that he doesn't gauge a person when they come into his gym about how well they can beat the best person. He gauges them on um, how they do with the least experienced person in the gym. So he, he will always put them with somebody that's less experienced than them and then he'll he'll observe how they roll with that person and then he says if he he puts uh, he says it if they if they smash them then i bring them into my world or something <laughs> like that yeah. well, that's a scary thought so uh, so yeah i think yeah. that that's kind of one of you know it's yeah. very humbling isn't it there's a little yeah. unspoken jujitsu etiquette right like yeah if you go to someone else's gym you need to have some respect and be be humble and if you get put that's a great little little test right you get put with a white belt and you're in a, a higher ranking belt i wouldn't go in there and just try to smash right it's just not go in no. there roll well if you submit them you submit them that's fine be respectful because then yeah you'll get someone like Salo say oh okay you want to be like that well come on over here <laughs> yeah. come over in my world right yeah so oh the worst thing when he uh, so when I went on my honeymoon went to train at the Jiu Jitsu University and I had a private with Salo which like my still yeah it was awesome anyway he invited me down to go and do like a rolling well a training session with the other black belts and brown belts the day after and to be honest, I was so tired and I felt broken from the day before. But you know, you don't not turn up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know. So um, I went down. And he, he kept calling me Mr. Lord. I don't know why he was calling me that. I think it was because he was like, because I was English, you know, like we're all lords. <laughs> of, Mr. Lord, he said, I'll go with you first. And he's like rolling with his eyes closed, and he's just he's so smooth. Like he was just like it was like a blanket on top of me. I couldn't get rid of him. And then. Uh, he like mounted me and I'm trying to defend. And then my wife said, he just like looked up at her, winked at her and then choked me. <laughs> I was like, damn, he's a funny guy. He was cool. Ugh, yeah. That's awesome. That's wild, man. Can so, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess from a selfish, selfish perspective, um, cause I'm going to be going around and going to a lot of different jujitsu gyms and those will be kind of be the people I know in that area. And if I'm going to spend a lot, a lot of time there, is that like, is there, is there a little checklist of things you'd recommend to do? Like, do I always message them before I go? Do I? Yeah. I would. I think I, it's better not to just turn up on the yeah. on the doorstep. I think, yeah. I always try to message them, tell them coming. I think sometimes when you turn up on the doorsteps, it can be perceived as like, you know, dojo storm or something, right? <laughs> the guy just showed up. So you always tell them, hey, you know, here I'm in town. You know, I'm, I'm this rank. I, I, I travel with my gi. would love to pop in. And come take a class or two. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and you want the best reception for yourself as well. Like if you turn up and you know the guys, um, you're not in the back of his mind or he doesn't know that you're turning up. Someone's not made him wear. Um, then you know you could have turned up to a class that's not suitable for you, or you could have turned. You know, so it kind of throws a spanner in the mix. I, I would always just drop a message forward. Nine times out of ten, people are more than happy to have you down, um, and then. You go from there. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, I'll probably, well, when I'm done, kind of, you know, the Asia part of it, I'll be in Australia or New Zealand and be like, find a jiu-jitsu gym, and I'll kind of be like, they're like, hey, I don't know anyone here. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to live. <laughs> I don't have a yeah, job. Yeah, but you know what? That that's one way to meet people for sure. Because, yeah. um, you know, you 
you instantly got a network of people that someone will know someone that can hook you up or you know has a room to rent or has some work going or you know um just wants to be your friend kind of thing it's yeah. pretty cool the 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 whole subculture i think my first instructor you know back in the states when the jiu-jitsu was kicking off there was only a couple places you could train it like they weren't all over like there was uh california for the most part and then mine uh pedro was living in salt lake so the first guy i started training under he was a lifelong martial artist and multiple like wing chun kali a bunch of stuff and so he's you know same he found jujitsu like everyone else and he said i'm gonna go learn this so he moved Salt Lake, and I think he lived above the gym, like they had some rooms up there or something, <clears> right? And just trained because they're like, this is the only way to do it. A couple, yeah. I think a couple other guys were up there. They kind of probably had fun yeah. for a while. But. Do you guys think um, it, you learn a lot when you're doing kind of traveling around doing jiu-jitsu, or do you think you kind of learn more by being in the same place and um, mm-hmm. doing the same stuff? I... I think I learn, not learn more, I like the learning when I'm in the same place, right? When If I'm training somewhere, because it's consistent. Yeah, and you can that. And you can pick up things. Uh, when you travel around and you spend a day or two somewhere, it's really not much different than a seminar. You're going to probably see some new stuff. So you have to make sure that you you keep, you put that into your game. You keep practicing it or it'll, it'll disappear and I find that a lot of times, you know, some seminars I've gone to, like I saw some cool stuff, but then I didn't keep practicing it. And then it kind of, you forget about that, right? It falls out of your game. Um, so that's why I like to, if you know, you have an instructor, hopefully they can teach you a wide array and, you, and you're you consistent, right? So I've always enjoyed getting the best, the best training I could out of the place that I lived. Mm. It was fun to go travel places and I like to see some stuff. Yeah. But we, we, I agree completely, I think the the benefit you get from traveling is more the life experience and the the kind of building network yeah and you're traveling around and it's an enjoyable enjoyable thing like you say you might pick something up but the way you get better at jiu-jitsu is like just like you say showing up to the same place every day learning and practicing um in my opinion yeah i think as a coach like uh we we're always like trying to learn we're always look checking out new stuff and so that's where if i found something that was good if i was traveling around and found something that was good that uh, i would try to make sure that i brought it back into yeah. the program so that the guys that you know don't travel around they just come every you know a couple times a week they get to see that too yeah i wonder how it'll be for me when i kind of go to a new place and it is like a purple belt instructor for the whole kind of uh, you know school type thing when I guess we've been quite a bit spoilt here where you got potentially I think I've been on the mat once where we're like a black belt to every white belt on the mat yeah. <laughs> I think I wouldn't worry too much about that I think everybody has something to teach someone yeah I think um, I think you can still learn under you know the, 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 the scope of knowledge difference between a white belt and a, a purple belt that's maybe been teaching for a while is quite still quite large so they're yeah. ahead enough of you that they could um, foster your development, you know, until to, to a certain point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I wouldn't, wouldn't worry so much about it. As long as they're a good teacher and um, the structure's there, I think, I think yeah. you'll be fine. I've met, I've met many, uh, like a purple belt that didn't have a black belt, right? They, they, 
I don't know, maybe they started like, I don't know, Gracie Garage or something, but they've kind of come up through some ranks. And when they haven't had anyone, and this is not all of them, so, but some of them, when they haven't had a black belt or someone to train with, like they've had to make, they've had to fill that gap themselves. And if they're good and if they study, you'll see, wow, these guys picked up a lot of stuff really quick because they, they had to, right, if they wanted to get better. Whereas, you know, I've always trained under some high-level guys and I could have been lazy, like it's right there in front of me and, I, you know, I need to be cognizant that I'm intentional learning that. And if I'm not, you could just, you know, close your eyes and you could miss some really great technique, right? If you're teaching and no one's showing you that, you kind of have to up your game. So there's... You know, I don't ever think that a guy that's a purple belt that's running his own school doesn't know yeah. as much. I'm, I'm like, well, I want to see how he, how he teaches it because he's probably had to figure this out. Oh, you know, it's been more difficult than me. I had it shown to me, right? So it's funny because um, I was talking to somebody the other day about. I know some purple belts, man. They know more moves than I know. They like know all the moves. Like you go through phases in your jujitsu, and uh, Chris was talking about this, where like. When you first start out, you're just learning how to walk. You're learning the, the pure mechanics and the fundamentals. You get to your blue belt, you start to find a little bit of a game, and then you start to kind of want to experiment with everything. You want to learn everything. You try a little bit of everything, you see what you like. And then once you get to like your brown and black belt, you start to really refine things, or try to. And then, so I kind of think sometimes the stuff that, like I wouldn't show that a purple belt might show because they're, being more fluid and more experimental at that time. Do you know? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff? Yeah, the, yeah. You get to you get to that past. You get into the blue and purple belt, and usually everybody wants to just they want to learn a ton, and they and they they just like a sponge, so they want to soak in all this new stuff. And then you get like on the upper end, and I'm trying to actually not cut stuff out, but I'm trying to like make the simple stuff work so effectively that I don't. I have to go do all that other yeah. stuff. And, and also, like, it was funny. We were at study hall the other week, and uh, everyone's around us drilling all the crazy stuff. And me and Jeff were just drilled this simple, fundamental back escape for like half an hour. Yeah. Like, what, what about this? What about if my grip's slightly like this? Or, you know, what do you want to do? And understanding it in depth of like, not just the mechanics of the move, but the mindset of the person you're doing it to, so that you can almost react before they do when you're at that step ahead um, but for me like I, I like to add stuff to my game but I like to now I don't swamp myself with too much try and add one thing at a time and make sure it goes in and then you know because there's so much out there now like in terms of online instructionals yeah. going to multiple people's gyms and learning multiple different styles I think once you get to a level you realise like you can be overloaded so you just get your foundations and then you add one element at a time Um, because most of us don't train twice a day every day so you can't accelerate that learning process do do you know what I mean if you're training four times a week you're probably doing doing well more than most people if you're training every day for example then um, you know you can add something and within a month you you could, could have solidly implemented something but if you're trying to it's a bit like the old Bruce Lee saying, isn't it? Fear the man that does one technique 10,000 yeah. times, not 10,000 techniques one time. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to be a bit more like that at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm just, because I don't, you know, 
athletically move, you know, as well as I used to when I was younger. I'm just trying to do the very fundamental mm. stuff and see if I can, you know, control the positions from certain places. Like, I don't feel like I submit people very very much, like when I'm rolling. I'm not like someone who's just going to be on you, like, submitting. Because I think I'm trying to just practice technique to get to positions and control. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I feel like like when you and I roll, like Lewis is quick. He's quick to the get to like a submission. And I, and I don't feel like I have – I feel like that part of my game has kind of dropped out, right? So I've, I'm, I'm trying to like, okay, get in there, solidify a position so that I can get to that submission. Yeah. I think that we – I think I, <clears throat> I felt like that for a little while, a while back when – you're rolling with everyone and, and you go through different focus points. Like you say, if you're focusing on that, it's difficult to uh, be focusing so much on control and everything else, but then be jumping for submissions or whatever because you're focusing on, on the, the, the previous step. I think I kind of tried to change things up knowing that I was going in for a sub-only sub match yeah. and stuff where you've got to kind of be try and be quick to the mark yeah, uh, and open up a bit more. Do you guys feel like um, it's like just saying there, Jeff? With you kind of games changed as you got older and become like not as athletic as you've you know were when you started and stuff. I guess maybe Lewis for you like you can't see out of one eye, right? <laughs> and like yeah. so you evoke like I don't know, not handicaps in a way, but you know something that does it does it more like your does your game change more with your actual physical abilities or is it more of a mental type thing where you? decide to change it or you change it because you prefer something differently or I think mine's you know it's you uh, adapt to survive right if I if I if I tried to play the game I played you know eight nine years ago a I would just be in pain I'd probably be hurting all day like I'd wake up the next day my neck would hurt my back would hurt whatever um, so I just have to adapt if I want. And that's why when I look at jujitsu, I don't look at it as in so much in the competition because, you know, tough competition for me is like, you know, everyone in the gym, right? Um, so I don't really look at it as competition. I look at it as more of the self-defense survival. So my, what I'm looking at is like in this role, am I defending well, right? Am I, am I going to be able to escape out of this position and then get to a position that is good for me and that's kind of the, the wins that I'm I'm looking for when I'm rolling and I, I feel like if I didn't if I thought oh I'm gonna go in I'm gonna smash I'm gonna pass his guard I'm gonna catch him da, 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 that um, I think I would become frustrated because I can't get that right I'm gonna go in there and I would be thinking why can't I do this I should do this or and when you start thinking should you know, then you, then you're kind of putting some negative thoughts on you, and 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 I, I don't want to ever associate that with jujitsu. I want it to be fun. I want to have my goals. My goals are a little bit different than what a younger guy's goals should be. I think, and so and I'm happy with that. I'm good with that, right? So, um, if if I wasn't good with that, I would probably become unhappy doing jujitsu because I would think, why am I losing? Why am I getting caught? And then when you start to think like that, then you don't have fun. Yeah. You're the most frustrating guy to roll with ever. <laughs> Jeff does this like, uh, I call it annoying jiu-jitsu. Like he just anti-stops everything that you're trying to do so that you you know, you go to this, you go to that and he's there with a grip or something and uh, just slows you down. 
I think, and, that, and that's that. Well, that's that's. Um, but so I've I've learned I've learned that from. So there's a lot of guys that I've rolled with, and in, in they're like, and they can they can just dominate me because they're like you know top top guys. I'm not saying. I mean, I I know some good guys that compete and they can, and they do that. And but I've also but the, probably the most frustrating thing for me is I've gone back and trained with some older guys that have been uh, like my age, maybe a little bit younger, but older. And they're black belts, and they've been black belts longer than I have. And so when we roll, we're not uh, rolling, you know, it's not the Mundials, right? So it's kind of that slower pace that you see a lot of us old guys do. And I can't tell you, more. Fr- it's more frustrating for me to roll with them because I know what I want to do, and I can't do anything to them, right? Yeah. And, and you're in kind of, you're not in slow motion, but you're not going fast, so it, my technique should be working great, right? And they just defend everything, and then they, when I make this subtle little mistake, they sweep me. And so I've gotten so frustrated that, in a good way, that I'm like, I'm like, whoa, what are they doing? What, are, what is this thing that I need to be doing? Yeah. And so that's a little bit of my focus, um, right? I can't get faster. I'm definitely not going to get faster, but maybe I can improve my technique enough and my my awareness of body mechanics and what the guy's doing that I can improve that way. Mm. It's really interesting hearing you guys talk about like the way you guys are wanting to change what you do or wanting to improve in the ways. I remember one time, Jeff, when you were giving me some advice, I think I was like, it was, it was before I was getting to do that competition in November. And I, I guess over the journey of um, in the year that I've done jujitsu now, it was kind of like start off like just not knowing anything like just kind of <laughs> flailing around and then um you get to kind of know a few positions and techniques and stuff and then um when it got to november or build up to november you're like you need to kind of go in there with a, a game plan and like think about what you want to do and then try and actualize that yeah. and i was like i just don't know what i want to do <laughs> and then like yeah. a few weeks later you kind of clicked with me well uh i guess I'm just going to work on knee and belly. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the thing I want to work on because I quite I enjoy kind of uh, for various reasons. Like I like that position. And then for the last few months, I've just that's all I've been working on. And I think then I was speaking to Jim, and I was like, ah, oh, Jim was like, I had the same exact thing. <laughs> like, like, but for me, but for Jim, it was his, his half guard, and that's what he wanted to work on. And I spoke to David um, Lane as well. He did the same thing. He's like, ah, oh, I just need to. You know, I just I know I need to do something, but. I'm like, I think you you said to him like, I oh, um, don't give up these positions so easily. And he's like, yeah. to me, it doesn't matter which position I'm in because I don't know what I'm doing in any of them. Like, yeah. and then a few weeks later, he's like, oh yeah, I'm kind of I'm working on this thing now. And it's interesting to hear from that's like the white belt version of what you guys were just talking about. Yeah. And then at your level, it's like. Right, I'm gonna do this frustrating thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like not even working on techniques anymore. I'm working yeah. on the mentality of the other person. Yeah, it's, funny. <laughs> it's like um, you just gotta set yourself micro goals. You know, like little things that will be like little wins for you. So I remember when I first started jujitsu, I went in and the guy said to me that for the first six months he didn't want me to think about submitting anyone. He said my goal was to try and not get submitted. Um, and if I if I managed to go through a role with somebody and not get submitted, he said you've won that role. He said because you're playing catch up to everybody else that's already started training, right? So, um, you know, you set yourself a mini goal, like you set yourself a neon belly, and when you achieve that, you feel really happy that you've done it. You don't think about the 
80% of what's left to improve, you think, oh, I've 100% improved 1% of my game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and then you build it up like that. So I think people can be overwhelmed. Um, and that was like when we spoke in our last podcast and you'd asked about the, the goal of the black belt. And I would say that I think everybody can achieve it. I don't think it should be their sole goal. But at the same time, like if you do all these little mini things, there's no reason why no one can get that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I think, yeah, if you just walked in and you thought day one, right, my goal is to get the black belt. And that's all you thought about. You kind of would become lost along the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, I think, yeah, I think I understood, understood what you said more after I kind of listened back to our yeah. podcast. And you were saying like, um, yeah, if you do just go in with the sole intention of the black belt, then it's not a strong enough kind of to get you through all these mountains yeah. and valleys you've got across. Well, but it what, needs to be, yeah. you need to have the right direction to go. To I think right. what, what everybody should have the belief in themselves that they're capable of owning that belt in the sense that like, there's almost like this mystique sometimes around, you know, uh, how on earth has that person got to that level? But there's no, like Jeff and I have said that, it's consistency, it's showing up, um, you know, being a good person and a good training partner. If you do all of those things, you will deserve a black belt when you get there, you know? So I think um, when I say it, it's like, yeah, the, the goal should be that you wanna be a black belt in yourself a black belt version of you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you just think, oh, well, get to the black belt and then you get it and then it's like, well, what do I do now? What's left to achieve? <laughs> but you become, but you become where you start, you're doing jiu-jitsu because you're doing jiu-jitsu because you enjoy it. Yeah. The belt's like a side thing. Yeah. If you yeah. think you guess you're only going to start to enjoy jiu-jitsu once you've got your black belt, you're going to be like... It's a long It's strange, right? It turns on its head because for me, I felt like when I got my black belt, I had to become even better to uphold the belt almost. Like my knowledge had to yeah. be improved. I had to make sure that my fundamentals were tight. Um, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that before Jeff left, I sucked as much self-defense knowledge from him so that we could keep that going. Um, yeah, you get you feel like you know you've got this whole army of black belts behind you that were you know whatever they got promoted before, right? And you're like, oh, now you're in that front, and you're like, Ooh, I don't ever want yeah. them looking at me thinking, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, he well, doesn't, you, you so, know, you but, want to uphold that but line. But when you think like you. Say you're 10 years, for example, that's quite quite quick anyway, but say you're 10 years to get your black belt. So it takes you 10 years to get your black belt and then you're the rest of your life a black belt. So if you go and compete at black belt, I think the only other, you know, you can be first day black belt, you could be competing against Saulo, right? He's been a black belt mm -hmm. 15, 20 years or whatever. So the gap then, you know, it's just a, it's not a, it's not a, ref, it's a reflection of like your knowledge to a degree, but it's not because the levels are so, you know, yeah. it's, it's immense the difference in somebody that's world class and somebody that, you know, is um, a hobbyist black belt or whatever. Um, I think the only gap I can maybe even compare it slightly to for me would be say like you can get a brand new white belt that's never done anything and a, uh, competitive four stripe white belt that's been training two two years the gap can almost be similar of like a new black belt 
mm. and a black belt that's been a black belt nine years since third right. degree. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because it's like because the difference between like an untrained complete person and someone who's just yeah, a little bit. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I would. Yeah, you get to the black belt category and there is no more advancement, yeah. right? So you could be going against like some of the <laughs> old school legends. It's right? like yeah, it's like when I roll with Victor. I feel like he's a blooming artificial intelligence and machine learning. Like anything I do, he's figured it out and put in a before you even way to beat it before I even know what's happened. Yeah. You know, he makes you feel like a white belt. But, you know, if you were measuring yourself against the best of the best all the time, um, like you say, you're going to lose heart very quickly. Yeah, I think um, Mike put it to me really well when he was down for the seminar. We were stood in line doing the uh, you know, specific training and um, he's like, there's probably a smaller gap between me and UT than there is between, you know, a, uh, him and, you know, Mike and Victor. Yeah, uh, he's a, probably right as yeah, well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jeff, you've got you got to head off soon. So um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. But thank you very much for having us over. And um, thanks, T. Yeah, it's Glad to T. Good. Uh, set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, guys, just to put that into perspective, Jeff is the big dog down at uh, no, no, no. I almost posted. I'll close with this. I almost I saw this on you know on Facebook these silly uh, videos, but this was this wildlife video, and I almost put this on the gym. It's this it's this old. It, it even says like this old lion, and he's being attacked by hyenas, and like there's you know. 50 Teen hyenas, and they're yeah. they're gonna eventually, you know, they're like gonna wear this yeah. old lion out, and then all of a sudden it shows, and then his friend comes from, <laughs> and his other lion comes in and chases him off, and I almost posted that. I was like, thank goodness I have Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Man. That was on the David Attenborough thing, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. But now, and uh, I hope you have a great time traveling as well, T. We're yep. gonna, yeah. gonna miss you, but well, I'll be um, back eventually, so you'll have to keep. At least keep the lights on. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, cool. Um, be interesting to see where we are in a year or so's time. I know. Yeah, maybe we can do a podcast when you're in the states. Pop down to uh, wherever I am. Who, yeah. who knows? Are you, are you planning on traveling to the states? I'll get there eventually. I'm sure. Yeah, and I'd love to. If Jeff starts yeah. something, I'd love to kind of just help in whatever small way I can. Yeah, definitely. Just yeah. Sweeping the mats and then you can. Come on down. Yeah. Cool. Cheers, guys. Awesome. Cheers, Bye. man.